hello. Welcome back to the Living Simply Bear podcast. We've had a bit of a hiatus, just taking a few weeks off to recenter and figure out what I wanted to do. And I was strongly debating stopping the podcast. And of course, the day that I was like, okay, I'm going to stop, all these people were like, sending me messages like, I love this episode. (laughs) And um, you'll hear Kyle laughing um, (laughs) because, and then Kyle was also saying, approached me and said, I don't want you to stop the podcast. And so, and all of the feedback I was getting was on relationship to the podcast that Kyle and I have recorded together. So I feel like I got my answer and we're proceeding forward um, you getting anxious? Me? Yeah. No. You're like fidgeting. Not anxious. Um, we're going to proceed forward with episodes of Kyle and I talking and really focusing on what does it look like to be in partnership and both of us being pretty vulnerable and honest about our relationship, our struggles, and then also there will be positive, uplifting conversations. Just kind of whatever's happening in that week, in that moment when we decide to record. So, without further ado, without further ado, um, <laughs> Kyle is obviously back in the podcast. We're sitting in what will what we're calling our art room that I will hopefully start painting tomorrow. The future art room, and um, it's complete chaos at the moment. But um, here we are. You want to say anything? Sure. Hi y'all. Uh, good, to, good to be back. Um, so she's gonna stop the podcast, and after I did that one with her, it was like really helpful to me, helpful to me to say it out loud. I think this was the most recent episode. Yeah, talking about my dad. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really beneficial for me, and I just wanted to keep going because it was like kind of like therapy, <laughs> which I've, I mean I've been to a couple times, but I should go to more. But it was like a therapy session. And uh, it worked a lot of stuff out for me. So I was bummed. She said, I'm going to stop the podcast. And, <laughs> and grateful when she said, I'm going to start the podcast again. We've got lots of feed, good feedback. Um, so here we are. And I couldn't think of a better way to really dive into this, I guess, official inauguration. Is that how you say that? Sweet, sure. Um, <laughs> inauguration. Of you being a being our podcast, not just mine, but us being on the episode and allowing people to get to know you. So I'll step back and not do all of the talking and allow you to. Um, I want people to get to know who you are and they also um, want to hear... So Kyle has gone through some serious health issues. I guess that's the way we can phrase it. Um, brain cancer. Yes, he's had <laughs> brain cancer. And so, and that's really shaped him into who he is today. So I, I'll let you take the floor, whatever you want to share. Okay. So I guess it was about 16 years ago. I was having headaches, migraine, really bad headaches. And I thought they were hereditary because my dad has headaches also. Ended up being not a headache. <laughs> Ended up being a fist-sized brain tumor. Um, there are a couple of red flags I just didn't even worry about. Um, the first red flag was my former girlfriend 
she picked me up from my house on a Friday and we, I took the trash cans out to the curb before we left and she dropped me back off on Sunday and the cans were still there and I couldn't say merriments are slops it wouldn't come out and I was like I was trying to say this I couldn't say it it was, like, it was just like coming out mumbling I couldn't say it so mm. I said you know to my girlfriend at the time I, I guess I motioned to her to go and I'd be okay and um, I got in the shower getting ready to go to work bartending at Applebee's <laughs> And I was trying to say my ABCs in the shower, and I couldn't say them. So I was like freaking out, crying. I, said, I thought to myself, if I get to work and I can't speak, I'll do something about it. Um, I got to work, I could speak fine, so didn't think anything of it. I mean, that was like a huge misstep on my part because I could have found out earlier. How? What's, the, okay, no mind. Six months before I was diagnosed. Gotcha, was six okay. Months, yeah. And then uh, I was having these migraine headaches every once in a while, so I get this excedrin migraine. And that would help it a little bit. I'd like to take too many of them. Um, and I thought I was going to have migraines for the rest of my life. Um, and then the, when I went to the hospital, same girlfriend, I was at her house. She's doing a painting, painting file, final. She's an artist, and she's doing her painting file, final. <laughs> and I was like, I could think clearly. No, I could, yeah, I could, I could speak clearly, but I could not think. So I could, like, I could like bring her like a Nalgene bottle and say... Hey, Genevieve, what's Nalgene? And she's like, stop messing with me, Kyle. I'm doing a painting mm. final. I'm like, I'm not messing with you. And then I had like another migraine. And uh, she ended up taking me to the hospital that night. And it was like raining out apparently. And I didn't have shoes on. And I was like out of her window, like in the car ride. Bleh, throwing out the, out the window. And I'm like, where are we going, Genevieve? The hospital, Kyle. Okay, cool. Bleh. The whole way to the hospital, I was like throwing up out the window and saying, where are we going, Genevieve? It's, I mean, I don't remember this, but she's telling me though. Yeah. She told me this story though. Um, I can't imagine what she was going through. <laughs> Golly. Um, but she, we got to the hospital. And uh, this is all from just being told because I don't remember any of this. Um, I went through some tests and I had a fist-sized tumor. And uh, we couldn't find my phone. So she couldn't call anyone that I knew. And she was probably having a breakdown. But eventually she got my phone and she called my parents my parents were actually at the airport in Chicago going to one of my dad's um, reunions. So they, so they switched their flights and came right to Boulder, to Denver. Um, that was the first thing that was like serendipitous because it was like they were there at the airport going somewhere. And they, How soon after you got to the hospital did they, because they have to run tests on the tumor to know that it's cancerous or could they tell? You know, I, I don't even know about that, but I mean, it was definitely, I mean, I, I don't know. So, but, uh, yeah, it's just like they found out that it was a tumor. Maybe it wasn't cancerous at this point. Maybe maybe they didn't know, but it was ended up being cancerous. And uh, she got all my parents. I don't even know if it was that day or the next day. I don't know what it was, but it was like she got all my parents and they were in the airport going somewhere else. They just switched their flights and came to Denver. And then, uh, wow. So I had emergency surgery two days later. They got 20% of it. And they uh, all my so by this time, all friends and family had come to the hospital. Like, and they said like, is he? So one of theirs was like, this is what I was told. Is he famous? Because there's so many, so many people waiting for me. And um, whoever's like, no, he's not famous. But uh, so twenty percent of it. And uh, I remember this vaguely being in a room, and he said, Doctor Liz, Doctor Lee Nelson, my first surgeon, like a scratch from high school. You know, he was really young though. Um, he said, you know, Kyle. 
uh, you got six months of your live and uh, drop out. Of, don't go to school anymore. Like go on your vacation, your life. And everyone around me started crying. I was like, that's not me. That's not my story. It's crying out. <laughs> um, I knew I had more to do on this earth. And I, I, did, I knew that I was not going to die. I, it was not going to hope. It was not denial. Um, I just knew in my bones, in my body, in my blood that I was not going to die from this. And so the attending neurosurgeon, Dr. Bill Vicenzio, did his residency at Duke and uh, got to go to Dr. Alan Friedman, who was doing this, at the time it was like experimental surgery. I was awake for it. And um, it was crazy. I mean, I was never scared. I mean, maybe it was, I don't remember, but I was never, I don't remember being scared ever. I mean, anything they wanted me to do, I'm like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And so I actually watched the, uh, a show last week that was my surgery. It was like crazy to see it. Um, but so what they did is they, well, first of all, I got to Duke. I was in a, a really nice hotel room, probably a Best Western, but it was a huge hotel room. Um, went down to the... Uh, I love that that's the piece you remember. I was in a really big hotel room. It was really big. Oh my gosh, I remember something else. It comes up later though. So um, we drove to Duke. No, I flew to Duke. Anyway, I flew to Duke. Um, South Carolina, North Carolina, which Carolina it's in, but it doesn't really matter. Anyway, so all my friends from Florida drove up. He's uh, from Florida. Yeah, I'm from Florida. I was, I was born in Juliet, raised in Florida. Um, until I was like 19, I moved out to Colorado. Anyway, so I got to Duke, and you go through all these tests, like simple math, simple colors, like 2 plus 2, or just 2 plus 2 with 4. And so squeeze this, I mean, whatever. It's like these it's really simple remedial tests. And what these tests are for is when they have your brain exposed, they brought me out of anesthesia, and they'd say, what is this number? And I'd say three, and they'd say, okay, we'll cut that out. And if they, if they couldn't answer or you couldn't do something, they would not cut that part. So, because they were like... So there's electrode on your, electrode yeah. on your brain, and they would fire at the electrode, it would simulate surgery, like cutting that part out. I'm not sure how it works. Um, but if you couldn't get it, get it right... They don't want to cut it. They don't want to cut it. And they ended up getting out 99%, 99.9%. <laughs> so one of the questions he asked me he was like what is this and it was like what is 2 plus 2 and I said brown man it's like, it's like I was like I started laughing because I was joking with him and he said Kyle this is not the time this is not the time or place for jokes um. yeah you're quite the jokester <laughs> at very inappropriate times obviously yeah but uh, um, so my friends came up from Florida throughout the coast to see me and uh, they we're trying to lighten the mood, and they—I don't even know—I don't even know if you know this—but they took all Jennifer's underwear and froze them, and she was not in the mood for jokes. Her boyfriend was dying; she thought her boyfriend was dying, and they were just jokesters, and they wanted to lighten the mood. And she didn't—she didn't think it was funny. She thought it was horrific, and it just really affected. How did they get her underwear, and why good, did they freeze? Good them? question. They're like—they're like, it's his birthday today. Sean's birthday is today, January eighth. I would be pissed too. Oh my gosh, I would, I would have been pissed too. Especially if your boyfriend is in the hospital, like undergoing serious surgery. Yeah, but everyone grieves and copes in such strange ways Absolutely. that yeah. that's how they process yeah, it. Yeah, totally. In a very, not in a way that most people probably <laughs> right, would. Right, right. I'm not even sure they believe that I was not going to die either because, I mean, this house we live in was bought for me to die in, yeah. which is great. I mean, it's just like, so cancer has brought me a lot of great things. Um, and you were what, 26? 26. Yeah. 2004. Yeah. 
Um, but another thing I was joking around with, well, so I, my cousins and everything came up in Florida. And my cousin Thad, one of my favorite people in the world, he comes, he actually, someone said, Thad's coming. And so I had like a drink with a straw. I know straws are bad, <laughs> but I was in the hospital. And uh, I put straw in my ear and like was like, I was drinking it. When he walked in, I don't know if you can picture that, but it, I had to straw in my ear, like like taking sips with my, with my mouth. And he like was like freaked out, like what's wrong with Kyle? <laughs> and so I just got to it. I got you, Dad. But um, but yeah, I mean it's just. You see, I mean it seems like it was. It's my it's part of my life now, obviously. I mean, like everything I do is like not revolved around it, but it's like everything is. You know. My life is. Been shaped by it. Yeah. Totally been shaped by it. I never thought I was gonna die, but I mean, but definitely has, shown me the value in how fragile life is because you can step off a curve run and like bump your head on the concrete and die. It's just like, it's like it happens and it's random. Um, yeah. What else is there? So after that, I did two years of chemo and, ther and radiation therapy. Um, Why do they have to do that if they got the tumor out? Just for preventative reasons. I mean, it came back. Gotcha. I mean, they got up 99.9% of it, they said. And then, uh, chemo and radiation. I don't know why. Maybe it's because, I mean, it's just for, like, covering all the bases. Yeah. But it didn't come back for diagnosing before I had another one in, so, 11 years. It came back in 2015? 2016. 2016. So, so, 12 years. 12 yeah. years it was, it was gone. And so, you'll... And then they got, how big was the tumor at that point? It was a fist-sized tumor the first time. But when it came back? I don't know, maybe golf ball? I don't know. It came back in 2015, 2016. I was actually working at Mental Health Partners. And I've been working there for a few years, and I was doing these client notes. And uh, when I was trained, there was like, these bullet points for client notes. And I remember having to go back and look at my notes because I was like forgetting the order or forgetting which the, what the bullet points were. It was like chief complaint and like five more. And every day I did them, multiple, multiples a day. And I was having trouble remembering the order. And so I had to go back and that was red flag two, which I missed. And then eventually. Were you not getting your regular scans at that point in time? I was with through, through Kaiser. So, I mean. Because now it, it, you've been. Well, okay. First of all, I want to say you, when you got diagnosed, it was a glioblastoma. Great. Good job. Yes. And then they downgraded it. I don't remember the name. When it came back. Astrocytoma. Which is astrocytoma. Which is huge because totally. what's the percentage of people that die from glio? It's basically a death sentence. But I mean, there's a glio, there's a glio not a glio club, a brain cancer club, not club, a group at uh, in Aurora at the, um, some Anschutz Medical Center. Anyway. So I went there twice because I had to like, let me back up. So I was teaching, I'll keep going. <laughs> so um, at the Anschutz Center um, in Aurora, there's a brain cancer club group. And I would go there. I maybe went there twice. And there's a man there was like 75 years old living with a glioblastoma. So he's had surgery many times, but he was living, he was like diagnosed in his 50s and he was living for like 20 years with it. And now he inspired me because... It was before that, before then, that I was like had a glioblastoma still, and then. Uh, I wonder if he's still alive. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, he could have been. He could have been dead from old age because. I guess it was like ten years ago. He'd be in his eighties. Eighties, yeah. That's yeah. great. He is. 
Um, and in the, the time of you having it come, it come back, I'm going to backtrack because you got, yeah. you got a little gotcha. squirrely. Gotcha. Um, I think it's squirrely. You, so after you had gone through all the treatment and stuff, you ended up going back to school mm-hmm. and was having, having had cancer, did that evoke that for you to go back to school? Did it evoke what you went to school for? Yeah, I've always wanted to help people. I was going, I wanted to be a, a therapist, you know? I, was, I mean, I was, had my, I got my degree from Europa. I was going to Front Range Community College when I was diagnosed in 2004. Had to stop going there. And uh, she told me to slow down. <laughs> you get, when, part of the things with uh, having it, he yes. gets really excited and can like, yes. or when he's nervous or anxious. Anything, just, anything but calm. He talks super fast. Super fast and it's hard to hear, so I just wanna... I will slow down. <laughs> um, so you went to Naropa and you ended up studying psychology. Yes. So when I was first diagnosed and had to quit school, I was going to Front Range Community College and planning on being a therapist. And uh, after I had my surgery, I went two years of radiation and chemo, and then I went back to school to Naropa. But no, if cancer didn't like evoke that I had to go back to school. I just I knew my path and I wanted to. Yeah. And I was never a very good student. I was doing pretty well at Front Range. It was like, easy classes, like, but Naropa was like made for me because it was like my learning style there's hardly any papers I mean, actually there's a lot of papers but the papers were written like how you want to write them they were like yeah. it was like APA but they, they gave you lots of lots of um, leeway mm-hmm. and I'm like um, I'm not a very detail oriented person um, so it gave me the opportunity to write freely yeah. And it wasn't, I was going for school. I was going to um, school for psychology, so I wasn't going to school for writing, but it was like... You have a part of that is you have to write papers in totally, college. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Mm. Um, so I used my degree. I got my, I graduated in two years and got my, I got a 3.7 in Europe. I mean, it's like the best grade point average I ever got, have ever gotten. And it's like, it's because it was like my, it was designed for me. <laughs> this, yeah. The learning style was... Teaching style was designed for me. I mean, it's it's great. It was great. It's a Buddhist-based school here in Boulder, um, Naropa University. Um, but so I graduated from there with my undergraduate in psychology, and actually minored in yoga. But I've not used that at all. And uh, I should probably get my hours to do that. But uh, so I was working at MHP Mental Health Partners um, for four and a half ish years. Yeah, and, and that's when it. Where you were yeah. when it came back. Yeah. Um, and then when it came back, did you still feel like that's not my... Like, when you got diagnosed, you were like, that's not my story. Like, you Dying. knew. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you still feel that way? Or was there any fear of, okay, this might be the time? Maybe a little bit. But it didn't like affect the way I lived. I mean, it's hard to live like this. But I think if you like worry about dying, it's gonna like stress is a killer. Mm-hmm. Negative thoughts become your reality. Your reality. And so, it's not that I try and think about that, but I do think about that. And it's like if I if I'm stressed out, because I had a my friend Scott, his 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 aunt 
Kitty got diagnosed with breast cancer, and she was pissed at the world. This is the doctor said her husband had no idea that it, would, it was going to kill her. Her attitude mm-hmm. killed her like quickly. Like breast cancer is fairly it's a, it's at an this awful, point in time, it's an awful yeah. disease, but it's fairly curable. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot most people at this point. Yeah. Survive it. And if you get tested early. Yeah. Get tested early. It's it's easy to catch. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> so were you fearful oh. when it came back? Well, I was, I, I, yes, but I didn't, not really. I mean, I just knew if it, if it was my time, it was my time. But I wasn't, like, scared of dying. I knew I was not going to die. So maybe that's why I was, like, so not afraid. Because um, my doctors were telling me, this is going to be no big deal. You get another big, you can help you get another 12 years out of the surgery. So we don't need to, you don't need to be awake for this one. So it's it it all, like, it was in a really good spot to, to, to be cut on. Yeah. So all those things were, like, lining up to be, a simple surgery, and it is simple. It, brain surgery is simple. It really is. It really is. Um, if you know what you're doing, obviously. if you know what you're doing, yeah, you, you couldn't do it. Uh-huh. There's no YouTube videos on brain cancer, brain surgery, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I was gonna say, I forget. Anyhow. And so now it's been how many years? Because you're not technically in remission at this point, because you have to have been. I'm learning about cancer now, having been with you. Um, and having not known anyone, I think one of my fears was knowing someone close to me dying of cancer and then I met you Mm. and like the first time I met you, you were like, I have brain cancer. (laughs) I'm like, okay, uh, great. That's not scary. Mm. Um, so I forget my train of thought because I'm getting emotional at this moment. Um, but now you go and you get scans Every six months. And oh, because you're not technically in remission yet. So when will that be? You don't know? You're going to say it a minute ago. Well, because you have to have been off your medication for how many years? I don't remember. Five. Which will be? So I'll be, I was on medications for, I think, this time maybe a year? Less than a year? I'm not sure, but so, so in 2021, it'll be five years off medications. When? November twenty, November sixteenth. Gotcha. But I'm 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 good. Yeah, and so how long do you have to get scans every six months for the rest of your life? Yeah, it'll go to a year eventually. But does that make you nervous having it had come back the last time, and you were probably doing a year at that point because yeah. it had been so long? But the astrocytomas astrocytomas grow really not slowly, but they're like a lot less aggressive than glioblastomas. Yeah. So, having it downgraded was like so great. Yeah. I mean, must be a relief. My gosh, yes. Um, such a relief. But I mean, again, I didn't think I was gonna die from it. So, I mean, it was su- a super huge relief. But you said to me, and I don't know if you want me to share this, but I'm gonna share. It. Yeah, no. You said to me, actually, one of our first dates, we did that New York Times like questionnaire thing yeah. to get to know someone, and. Um, and here, it's like, you'll fall in love with the person. Here we are. Totally. <laughs> um, you, it was like, how do you, if you, how do you think you're going to die? I think was one of the questions or something along that line. And you said, you know that it will be cancer. Totally. But you, you just think it's going to happen later in life. Totally later in life. Like a lot later in life. Like I think if, because surgery is progressing every day. Yeah. And if it happens in another 12 years, it'll be like 
it'll be great. I mean, may may not even be any doctors doing it, you know? I mean, that's... In 12 years, I still like, think doctors <laughs> will be doing it. Of course. But I like, don't think we're going to be in Mars yet. But After, after like, 12 years, there's, there's so many advancements from my first surgery. Yeah. Because now... Uh, weight craniotomies are like commonplace. Weight craniotomies are commonplace. Which is what your first, totally. your second technically surgery yeah, was. To be clear, um, yeah. So it's it's just like, and my surgeon said, you know, in twelve years we'll be way past where we are right now, and so yeah. give it another twelve years, Kyle. So you need to have more than twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but uh. I think I will. I know I will. Um, but having cancer brought me here. To this land, this house. I met Dan. Through Dan that's met, our that's our neighbor. Da, your neighbor Dan, yes. And then he was at the post office. I met my friend, and then they yep. introduced us. You. Um, which I don't think I've shared. So I'll tell a little bit about awesome. our story. So we were supposed to meet, uh, go on a date, and he they sent me photos of him, and they sent photos of me to him. Did I say that right? We got photos of each other. Yeah. I, and like he, they, the way they, they described you, I was like, yeah, it seems like a good fit. I couldn't really tell by the pictures if I was interested. I was very clear that I had a specific type that I wanted. I needed a man with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's bald. He had brain cancer. Um, and we... So we were we got introduced on the January first. So it's been a year since we met, and then on the third, so yeah, year ago, we were both happened to be at the grocery store at the same time. Granted, he doesn't even live in the town that he was in, at the grocery store. So I got in line. I it was weird because I was like, I need to do one more lap for some reason. Didn't even get anything. And then came to the register. So it's like we were meant to meet. And I get in the register line. And now this is the grocery store we go to all the time together. And um, he was in front of me. And I was like, oh my God, is that him? And he was dressed so weird and like... I had Carhartts on, and I was probably working at like a flannel on. So I'm not sure. No, you just had like, you just were not, I was just like, I am not interested. There's like a very specific type of person that lives in Ned, which is where <laughs> we live. And I was like, oh, he's definitely one of those people, um, which is terrible. I'm, I'm owning my ego right now. Like, Good. So fully. Good. Like, and I just got to out it. And I was like... I even texted my friend, and I was like, oh, my God, is it him? She's like, well, why don't you ask? Because we kept, like, making eye contact because I was probably being weird, and you were like, is that her? I don't know. And so I was like, are you Kyle? And you were like, yeah. Rachel. I said Rachel. <laughs> and you got so excited, and uh, and it, when we were walking out of the – you waited, you packed all my food, took me to my car um, with my groceries, and – you said to me as you're walking out, I don't know if you know this, but I have brain cancer. <laughs> and I remember one but, of the quirks was that, like, when, because you were so excited and so yes. nervous, you were like, I, you, you made no sense of what you were saying. So I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's like just some, like, stoner that lives in the mountains. <laughs> like, and I was like immediately turned off from it. Um, and then you said that, and I was like, Okay. So then I felt bad because I was like, I can't go on this date. I'm not into him. Mm -hmm. I'm not. But I kept feeling like I can't, 
I, there was a sense of like I just felt bad. And also, I think my gut was like, you gotta go. You gotta go. You can't, like, agree to do something and then, like, not show up. Sure. So we met. And then and then on the, the we went on our date. You know, we all hang, hung out and had tea. And you drove me back to Boulder. And I remember you saying, when I get excited and nervous, I... Can't speak. I can't speak. And then I was like... Gosh, I feel like such an asshole because <laughs> that was one of the things that totally. I was like, no, not into it. You can't speak properly. And then I like, it was like all these things of my judging was like immediately being called out. Like, oops, <laughs> the phone's ringing. Um, so it's just like immediately being called out by the universe to be cool. like, uh, check yourself here. Um, you gotta turn your phone on silent for the future. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll turn it off. Um, but the one thing I feel like I had a lot of resistance to getting to know you because of the cancer piece. Mm. Because the fear of like, I don't want to get too close and then something happened to you. Which is so sad because, like you're saying, you can die at any moment. Mm -hmm. And you cannot control that. And what a sad thing to have missed out on. If I would have, like, honored that. Um, what? You're just so cute. You're, like, tearing up. Um, but I remember once you told me what the what type of cancer you had. I remember looking. Um, like, I didn't. I avoided it. I was like, I don't want to know. Because there was just such a fear around it. And I still have a lot of fear. I'm like, sure. you should get checked, like, every week. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely am paranoid because that would suck to lose you um but I remember looking it up and being like like glioblastoma because I don't think you had that time told me that I had been downgraded mm -hmm. and I was like reading all these horrific stories that like the percentage of people that die from it and I was like oh my god it's gonna come back and like what I just went down this terrible space of like and this was also the height of the pandemic. We were in lockdown. So, like, emotions are running high totally. in all fronts. And we're getting to know each other at that point. Living together in one room. <laughs> and you're in there. Oh, yeah. And, wow. Um, wow. and I just remember being, like, just so fearful. And I still am. Mm -hmm. It definitely is... I definitely think about it more at times than I wish I would mm -hmm. because it's the, but it's the reality of you being a cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um. This is like conversation for you. <laughs> <laughs> Easy reading. Uh, That's funny. No way to start the new year than some heavy, heavy topics. It's great. I think it's. I think heavy is. I think heavy's real and real's good. So I do have a, an MRI coming up. I've I got to get it scheduled this week because I see my oncologist, Dr. Busby, on the 28th of mm -hmm. this month. Yeah. But, like, one of the side effects is he forgets things. That's one of the major things. Mm -hmm. And, like, his writing skills, like, just, like, um, the, legi the legibility is... He, he'd write me notes and I'd be like, I don't know. You'd have to read it to me sometimes. And if I'm like writing love letters, I take my time and like make it like, so it's like interesting writing. Like I make the R's really long 
It's so, like, I just write, if I writing notes, like, just to remember things, I can't read them. Yeah. But if I do, like, write love poems to my lady, <laughs> I'll make them legible as possible. Yeah. But so when he forgets things, like, I remember he told me, like, if I forget things, that can be, that could also be a red flag. So it's like, you, because when you were, when gotcha. you came back, you were forgetting things. Forgetting things that I knew, like, yeah. in my bones. But, like, when he forgets things, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It, like, freaks me out. And also, it has become kind of a um, point of contention in our relationship because I'm like, why don't you remember things? I told you you get upset. Yeah. It, but it's it's challenging at I times. can't imagine. I can't I cannot imagine. Because it's like, I things. just told you this. Yeah. <laughs> so. Totally. I get it. I mean. I get it. Yeah. I, I'm so glad your memory is fairly good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Because, I mean, I think that uh, if we both had bad memories, it would be like a shit show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be a we, shit show. We write a lot of lists, though. You write more lists than I do. Yeah. yeah. But, like, collectively, like, we're doing so many projects that so we'll, like, write lists. Like, gotcha, what totally. do we need to get totally. done? And then we can totally. mark things off. Yeah. We got lists on the fridge. Totally. Yeah. I like if we're going to the grocery store, just so we all were, were we remember, which I think is good, even if you haven't had brain cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Especially grocery store, easy to get distracted. Yeah, I love grocery stores. Um, <laughs> Not much groceries anyway. Yeah. Um. Anything else? I'm trying to think. Anything you want to say? Just live life to the fullest. Yeah. How do we every day? This up? <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, live life to the fullest. Like, don't mm-hmm. take chances and you know, put your ego away sometimes. And don't talk to people because you don't think they look right. <laughs> don't not talk to people because you don't think they look right. And slow down when you're speaking so people can understand you. Yeah. And if things are weird, like if you're like, whoa, something doesn't seem right, like, tell somebody. Ask for help. Yeah. And there's no shame in it. Mm-mm. And I wish you would have known that in that moment of like, Okay, something is not right. Yeah. But your ego comes into play, and it's like, you're okay. I, my memory? Like, the hell, you lost the notes? No, well, that, and then also when you couldn't speak. Like, when you're 26, like, you're like, oh, whatever. It's my memory. I forgot yeah. about it. I'm just forgotten about it, how bad it was, because it was like, my migraines my were f- really painful. Like, I couldn't even have a light. I couldn't move my head very fast, because it was like, it was so painful. I'd mm-hmm. have to, like, pop. But I think that that... My memory made me forget about how bad it was in, in the moment. But even in that moment, you couldn't be like, I need to do something. Maybe. You know, Maybe. like, yeah. something's not right. I need to ask for help. Like, I wish that in the moment you could have if gotten I, it. If I couldn't if I couldn't put words together at work, I would have said something to somebody. Because <laughs> I, th- I thought to myself in the shower, yeah. I can't maybe see. So if I get to work, I can't speak. I'll definitely, I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out because I couldn't speak, but... Yeah, it was, it was... And then it was six months until you were... Yeah. You finally... Three to six months, yeah. I think so. Jeez. So, yes. I guess we leave it with saying... Enjoy life. And I also think it's important that you were like... You didn't let your diagnosis defy you. Like, okay... Define me? Yeah. Like, Joe Dispenza. I don't know if anyone knows him. I'm interested recently interested in what he's teaching and the spontaneous healing and how our our mind really does control so much like our mind can help heal us our mind can 
there's he has so many cases of people who have explored his meditation practices and implemented them into their lives with you know stage four cancer diagnosis you know six months to a year to live mm-hmm. and when I was listening to it I kept thinking about you because he's saying you have to it, it it's not just the like positive thinking it's like you have to believe become it, it and yeah. believe it like you have to truly feel it in your bones to the down to your core yeah that that is not your story you gotta know it mm-hmm. and but, you did so yeah. but i mean i, I could assume it'd be really hard for people that were like didn't think they're gonna live yeah so you have to be open mm-hmm. to that and so maybe you don't have the knowledge or the tools of what worked for you because it was just a feeling but maybe yeah. if there's someone listening or they know totally. someone maybe this person joe dispenza is the person to like look to and maybe they have that knowledge of how you can get to that place. It's freaking hard, and he has healed himself in that way. You Kinda know, like I've, I'm a little like question it a little bit, but I don't know. And and when I think about you, I'm like, I definitely think there's truth there because your knowing, totally. I think, allowed all these weird synchronistic things to happen for you to be able to go to Duke to one of the best surgeons who yeah. was doing this specific surgery. He actually operated on Teddy Kennedy. Oh. <laughs> uh, Alan Friedman. Um, but yeah, I was going to say something else. I forget what it was though. Anyhow. Oh, all my all my doctors are like surprised that I'm still alive. Yeah. Not surprised, they're just thankful that I'm alive still. Yeah. My friend Scott called me Miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm grateful that you're alive. I'm grateful that I'm alive too. And I can share my life with you. Same. And so, hold your loved ones closer. And just enjoy life for what it is. Because that's the one certainty that we have. Is that we're going to die. We don't know when. We don't know how. But we know it's going to happen. So, appreciating the moments as they are. Fully. Yeah. So, thank you for tuning in. There will be more of these conversations. Maybe the next one will will go a little more lighthearted. Uh, sure. <laughs> we'll see. I think we both tend to go on the like deep and and uh, the rocky terrain path. Mm-hmm. Um. So we'll see how how lighthearted these conversations are in the future. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoyed this episode, got anything out of it, please rate review. Share it with a friend who could benefit from it. I find that to be one of the best ways for me to share information with people where I'm like, here, you can listen to this hour-long thing and it's like so helpful for what you're going through. So, mm. um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be cancer-related. Gotcha. You know? Um, so thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Sending. I love you, Rachel. I love you too. <laughs> Sending you all lots of love I as love you, you listen guys to this. Too. <laughs> Out there mm-hmm. listening. Bye. Thank you.